Hi, I'm Jesse. Let's have another devotion on the same two miracles. We're in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, and we've looked at verses 18 through 26. And I want to cross-reference these with the same miraculous accounts in other gospel narratives. Yesterday's devotion looked at the Gospel of Luke, as well as some, some from Mark chapter 5. But I didn't give uh, I didn't give Mark chapter five verse twenty one through forty three its full treatment of the same miracle. So here's a refresher on where we're at. Jesus has just answered a question asked by uh, John the Baptist's disciples about fasting, and then as he was telling them these things, suddenly one of the leaders came and knelt down before him. That's Jairus. We learned Jairus's name from the Mark and Luke accounts. My daughter just died. This seems like a deviation from the text because in Matthew's gospel, he says, my daughter has just died. But in Mark and Luke's gospel, he says, my little daughter is dying. That's verse 23. Come and lay your hands on her so she can get well and live. That's, that's Mark chapter 5, verse 23. And then in the Luke account, uh, we see that specifically she is his only daughter. That's verse 42 because he had uh, an only daughter about 12 years old and she was dying. And while he was going, the crowds were nearly crushing him. So there's there's detail in Luke's gospel um, that fits Luke's narrative, right, and his style and his original audience, writing to Theophilus, a Roman. Is what's unusual about this is that Mark is the one whose gospel account goes into the greatest detail of all. When Mark's gospel is usually the more punchy, and it's the it uses the word immediately several times throughout the gospel, and it's more action-oriented. Matthew's gospel gives it the shortest treatment of the three. So in uh, the Matthew account, verse 20, just then, um, I'm sorry, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. Here's verse 19 of the Matthew account. So Jesus and his disciples got up and followed him. Just then, a woman who had suffered from bleeding for 12 years approached from behind and touched the end of his robe. For she said to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be made well. Jesus turned and saw her. Have courage, daughter, he said. Your faith has saved you. And the woman was made well from that moment. When Jesus came to the leader's house, remember this is Jairus, he saw the flute players and a crowd lamenting loudly. All right, these are uh, these are uh, these indicate just the presence of, of mourners. All right, and and that she had evidently been been dead for a while. That the funeral had actually uh, begun. And the word asleep implies death in a state from which believers would be awakened to the resurrection. See First Thessalonians chapter four, verse thirteen through fourteen, when Jesus said, "She's not dead, but she is asleep." And they laughed at him, saying, "That's got, that's that's perfectly congruous what we saw yesterday in Luke's." account, Luke 40, uh, Luke 8, 40 to 56. And they laughed at him. And after the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand and, um, and the girl got up, right? So he mentions only that he took her by the hand. According to Luke's gospel, he also takes her by the hand and he speaks to her, child, get up. You're going to see in today's rendition that we zoom in on the math, the Mark rendition, he uses the word Talitha Kaum. Then news of this spread throughout that whole area. That's verse 26. As we saw yesterday, that even goes against Jesus' wishes because he asked the parents to keep this quiet. Here is Mark's account of the same two uh, of the same two miracles, one framing the other. Here's Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. So we're, we're perfectly congruous with what we've seen in Matthew so far. 
Matthew includes the detail about the conversation with uh, John the Baptist's disciples. Okay, we were studying that in Matthew chapter 9, verses uh, 14 through 17. But he is now, uh, in the beginning of chapter 9, he got into a boat and crossed over, right? And came in, uh, it came to his own town, right? That's Matthew chapter 9, verse 1. Right now, in Mark's account, it's all consists of he's crossed over again by boat to the other side. We have the large crowd. So that coincides with what we've seen in, in Matthew's gospel. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, and he begged him earnestly, My little daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. Now, this seems to be significantly different from what Ma uh, Matthew's gospel said. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 18, my daughter, he said, Jairus says, my daughter just died, but come lay your hand on her and she will live. So what's the deal? Which one is correct? Does Matthew tell the story properly or does Mark? We don't know, but what we see is evidence of independently written gospels that both coincide with one another. If you go to a trial and you hear witness accounts, they may quote actual conversations that took place and do so with different verbiage, but they both end in the same way if they're both accurate testimonies. Matthew's gospel says, my daughter has just died. Mark's gospel says, my little daughter is dying. And they change dramatically. I can relate directly to Matthew's rendering of it, and it's because, man, I've prayed that. My, my son has just died. God resurrect him. Mark's gospel and Luke's uh, gospel, the two of these line up, uh, man, that changes things completely. It's not, an, it's not a request for a resurrection, it's a request for a healing. However, it would later become a resurrection. And so in that regard, it comes out in the wash. It does not actually matter in the end. I don't know which one accurately quotes Jidus. I don't know which one accurately quotes Jidus, but I do know that in the end, it results in a resurrection. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. Okay, that detail about the crowd pressing in against him is not mentioned in Matthew's gospel. And moreover, Mark, uh, Luke's gospel gives goes so far in verse 42, chapter 8, to say that it was crushing him. Now, a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. At once, Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you, and yet you say, who touched me? But he was looking around to see who had done this. Okay, was he really looking to see, or was he looking so that she would step forward? He knew. She knew that he knew. This was her moment. The woman, with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. Again, it's a different rendering of what Jesus said, but its message is beautiful and its effect is identical. While she was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Again, this is perfectly consistent with verse 49 of Luke's account, Luke chapter 8. 
When Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid, only believe. This is a truncated version of what Jesus said according to Luke's gospel. Luke tended to be more embellishing. He tended to add more detail, more words. Mark usually was the punchier one. Again, that's what makes this so unique. This is, a, this is, a, this is distinctive among all the miracle, miraculous accounts in the gospel. This is why I'm going into great detail about all three different accounts. I want you to see this. I'm not afraid of apparent discrepancies in the biblical narrative. I want to lean into them and I want you to see something beautiful from them. Matthew and Mark both get the dialogue differently, right? but they end up the same way. What matters is the gospel. What matters is the healing. What matters is Jesus. <clears throat> While he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? When Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, Don't be afraid, only believe. He did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James' brother. This is also distinctive. We know that, in, we know in Mark's gospel account that the parents are present, but they're not named in verse 37. They came to the leader's house, and he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. Matthew's account includes the flutes. He went in and said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him. But he put them all outside. He took the child's father, mother, see, there they are, and those who were with him, and entered the place where the child was. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Koum, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. At this, they were utterly astounded. Then he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this and told them to give her something. So Mark and Luke are more consistent with one another than are Matthew and Mark, which is really, really remarkable and really unique within the gospel accounts. So don't shy away from the discrepancies in the dialogue and even the subtle alterations of the chronologies. We see that they arrive in the same point. We see, we see that these are different accounts of the same miracles and they arrive at a beautiful picture of the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, which matters all the more. I do believe that this is perfect text. It's perfect in its original, uh, in its original manuscripts, that it's inspired by the Holy Spirit through men who were fallible, but they tell the story of a perfect Jesus, and the result is a perfect text. I say that even acknowledging that Matthew says Jesus worded it that way, and Mark says Jesus worded it another way. In all of this, what I arrive at is the gospel of Jesus Christ, whereby we were dead in our sin, and we can be told to get up by the voice of Jesus. In faith, we can reach out and be healed of what makes us unclean. This is the purpose. This is the intent. This is why this is included in Matthew 9, Mark 5, and Luke 8. Do not miss the purpose of the miracles. Rather, be healed by the power of the gospel in Jesus' name.